why does God command us, whether it's fathers, parents, or even the church to one another, to speak to one another about the works of God and the wonders of God? For what purpose? Well, that brings us down to verse 7 and 8, which really in some ways is like the hinge verse of the psalm, this whole psalm. They were to tell the next generation the works of God and the words of God so they will trust, remember, and obey. Today on the Songtime Broadcast, we continue our Summer Psalm series in this message from my good friend Chap Bettis. We'll look at Psalm 78, a psalm that encourages us to understand our call and responsibility to disciple the next generation so that those who come behind us will find that God is faithful. Stay tuned for that message, but first we're going to be talking a little bit about how we can actually trust our Bibles as we're joined by Bill Mounts in his great new book, Why I Trust the Bible. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. This weekend, we're asking some very important questions, getting down to what our culture today is doing to cast dispersions and doubts about the foundations of our faith. It's another theological doctrinal series as we're joined by William D. Mounts, the author of a book called Why I Trust the Bible, answers to real questions about doubts people have about the Bible. Bill, this is a subject that I'm sure many of our listeners are concerned about as they hear all of the sort of attacks against our faith within the public stream and the mainstream media. But you actually talk about how you wrote this book for with two people in mind, the young college student, the high school student that's going off to college or secular university, as well as the parent or the grandparent who is about to send their child out of the home. How to answer these questions that are inevitable. They're going to have to face these questions in the world. So let me ask you, how do you offer advice or what advice do you have for the young adult, the young high school student that's going off to college in the fall or in a couple of years? What advice do you have for them when concerned with all of these doubts and questions they might have? Um, It's good to ask questions. You need to ask questions because until you ask questions and you struggle with the answers, you'll never be fully convinced. And what I want people to do is to fully trust the Bible and have it be their guide in their life Mm -hmm. because it is the right guide. But if you don't struggle with it and think through it, you won't really trust it. Um, We've had two girls die at birth. And Mm -hmm. if I waited until then, for to decide whether I thought God was all good and all powerful. I don't know what I would have done. Um, I, I could have just easily walked away from this God who lets my two girls die. But I'd already made up my mind. I'd already asked the questions. I'd thought through the issues. And I had to kind of reaffirm it when Rose and Rachel died. But I'd already thought through it. And so when those horrible days came, I was ready, somewhat ready for them. So I just think you need to be willing to ask the questions. And then you're going to be getting all kinds of, excuse me, it's just junk in the university. I mean, you're going to get just, Craig Blomberg said his daughter came home from a secular university once and said that her history history professor was quoting the Da Vinci Code as historical fact. (laughs) Well, she, she very well knew that the author says this is fiction. Mm -hmm. You know, but the history professor wanted, for whatever be the reason, wanted to teach that it was, it shows the Bible is wrong. 
you know, they, they, they got um, Constantine making up the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, it's just, it's ridiculous. Constantine called Nicaea, but he didn't, it, he wasn't involved in it. And the, the doctrine of the Trinity was already, it's more, it was more the relationship of the son to the father. Um, you know, that was already accepted as an orthodox position. Uh, the Arians were looking at splitting his kingdom and he didn't want that to happen. But here's this history professor saying Constantine made up the Nicaea made up the doctrine mm. of the Trinity, which is, is just not true. So short answer. When you hear an answer that is contrary to scripture, you owe it to yourself to find the other side. There's always another side. And um, as long as you want to have an honest investigation toward the truth, you have to hear both sides. Mm. And there are plenty of books on the biblical side that will deal with these questions. Hmm. I think that's great advice. Ask questions and ask good questions that get to yeah. the actual, the matter of fact. For any of our listeners who have kids that are going to college this fall or have kids mm-hmm. that have already openly made objections and walked away, uh, a lot of them, I, I know, I've heard these stories, they're using uh, all of this stuff in the mainstream media that attacks Christians and say, this is the reason I can't be associated with this because it's such a mm-hmm. group full of hate. For our listeners who are struggling with a lot of these concerns, um, they're wavering. They're 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 wondering how to answer the questions that are being raised. What what advice do you have for the parents that are going through this? Pray number one. Uh, this is a uh, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And Satan and his dominion are in overdrive right now, and uh, you can't defeat it by human means. Um, you, you have to be praying. And second of all, keep your relationship with your children. Uh, even if they completely disagree, you want to keep the, you want to keep the communication open because they may reject what you believe now, but if you have that relationship and you keep strengthening that relationship, when they turn 35, they may go, Oh my goodness, my mom was right all along and, and come back. So you just, you have to have that relationship. Um, it doesn't do any good to squelch your kids questioning because that'll just make most kids even run away from you further. Uh, but you need to know the answers. And by the way, what I did in the book was in, it's broken into sections and there's generally two chapters to each section. And the first chapter in a section is just the real broad stroke answers, the basic pictures. The second chapter in each section goes into much more detail. So what you need to do at least is at least read the first chapter in each section and, and get the answers um, for yourself so that when they do come with questions, you don't sound like a goofus, mm-hmm. but you go, well, you know, gospel stories were, were anonymous. We don't really know who wrote them. The answer is that actually is not true. Uh, in every manuscript that we have where that's the beginning of it, we, the author name is, is mentioned. And there never was a question. No one ever said anyone but Matthew wrote the first gospel. No one ever said anyone but Mark wrote the second. Oh, oh, okay. So I, I guess I guess those are. In other words, if you just have these basic answers, um, what what I found when I'm speaking is you, you can see the tension in the people's face, mm. and you give like a basic answer like that, and you can see them relax. And you can go on, you know, I'll give other information or whatnot, but it's that it's like they're saying, okay, there is an answer. And even if I can't remember it, I can look it up in the book and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
But just you, you, parents need to know this. I had a very good friend whose son presented him a spreadsheet of 200 contradictions in the Bible and said he was abandoning the faith. And my friend was brokenhearted. We went and had dinner with them that night. I looked at the spreadsheet and not one of them was a problem. Well, the Bible says you can sacrifice children. It says you can't sacrifice children. Really? Where in the Bible does it say you can sacrifice a baby to Moloch? You know, and he just had grossly misunderstood the Bible. That's the most extreme case I know of. We've been talking with Bill Mounts about his book, Why I Trust the Bible, answers to real questions and doubts people have about the Bible. A great resource, especially for the young student, the young adult, and the parent of young adults and prodigals. This is a great resource. You can find out more information about it by giving us a call, 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. 7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. Well, today we are continuing our study here in the Summer Psalm series, and this weekend we're going to be looking at Psalm 78. A message from my good friend Chap Bettis, who actually has a ministry here in New England called the Apollos Project, as he works with how to train up parents and grandparents to disciple the next generation. I felt like it was a very good fit for this weekend. And Chap is preaching on Psalm 78, a psalm that helps us understand the importance of our calling to consider those who come behind us and what is our faith that we're passing down to them. Here is a great study and a great psalm that reminds us that may those who come behind us find God faithful. You know, you and I stand on the shoulders of men and women who've gone before us. Obviously, as a church, we stand on the apostles and their teaching. We also stand on the generals of, we might, might think of the uh, Reformation. But there's also those that, who've gone before us here in New England and actually in Rhode Island and southern Massachusetts. And I bring that to our attention because I want us to think about that each generation has a responsibility to leave a legacy for the new generation. If you're taking notes this morning, our main point is this. God commands us to tell the next generation the works of God and the word of God so they'll trust, remember, and obey. If you look in verses 1 and 2 there, my people hear my instruction, listen to what I say. I'm going to declare wise sayings. I'll speak mysteries from the past, things we've heard and known that our fathers have passed down to us. We must not hide them from their children, but tell a future generation. The writer of this psalm is concerned. It's written in a way to remind God's people. It's written to warm the heart and warn the conscience as well. And if you look down in verse 5, this is not, not just a suggestion, but he's actually commanding the fathers to teach their children. If God has allowed, given you the privilege of being a father, then he commands you to teach. It's just part of the job description. There's something about becoming a father where you get up and you say, I've got to go earn a living. I've got to provide for this, ch- this life that is totally dependent upon me. Well, scripture, God all, also says, if you are a father, then you are a teacher of your child. And actually, in verse 4, he says, if we don't, this is like hiding it. One of the ways, it's easy, though, I think, to take 
our spiritual background or even history for granted. I, can't, I, I remember the time that my children uh, were taking a history class and they came home and they were telling me what they were learning in history. And I said, that's not history. I lived through that. History's a long time ago. But in fact, these things were, were hidden from my children because I had not told them. I had just assumed. In fact, a, a study found of 11,000 teenagers from 500 congregations across six denominations found that only 12%, one out of eight, have regular conversations of faith with their mom. Only one out of 20 have regular conversations with their father. We're to tell the next generation and really speak to each other about the works of God and the word of God. Look in verses 4 and 5. We must not hide them from their children, but must tell a future generation the praises of the Lord, his might, the wonderful works he has performed. He has established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. In that first part of the passage, the psalmist is thinking about Israel's history. And he can look back, really, this is our, what we would call our Old Testament. He can look back and be amazed at what God has done. He had delivered. Think about, if you, if you just think of the, the miracle of the Old Testament. What God had done is taken his people down, 70 people, down to the nation of, of uh, Egypt. And in 400 years had multiplied them into 2 million. Then he miraculously brings them out of a superpower, Egypt walks them through the Red Sea. The Red Sea destroys the superpower of its day. Then he feeds them in the wilderness. Two million people feeds the, gives them water, gives them food, leads them into the promised land, and establishes them there. The psalmist can look back and say, God is amazing to his people. And in fact, we proclaim, as he was proclaiming, God acts in history. His greatest work in history is the redemptive work of Christ. God actually inserted himself in history when he sent his own son in the person of Christ. That he would redeem sinners. Verse 5, he says, we're not only to uh, command us to tell the next generation the works of God, but it's also the words of God. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach our children. It's often called a testimony because the covenant was a witness between God and men, declaring what God expects of mankind and what God has promised to do. And so when God entered into a covenant, he gave his word. In fact, God's most precious gift besides his son is this book. And parents, you're the best spiritual teachers of your children and your grandchildren. The ministry here might only have them what, 50 hours a year? You have them over 3,000. No one has the ability to monitor and influence the spiritual life of your children like you do. And you say, I don't know enough. And you're right. You know what? You're right. But that's why God gives you little children so you can stay one step ahead of them. (laughs) Why does God command us, whether it's fathers, parents, or even the church to one another, to speak to one another about the works of God and the wonders of God. For what purpose? Well, that brings us down to verse 7 and 8, which really in some ways is like the hinge verse of this psalm, this whole psalm. 
That we're to tell the next generation the works of God and the words of God so they will trust, remember, and obey. So, verse 7, so they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works and keep his commands. Then they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. So the reason we tell each other, the reason we talk to each other is because we want the next generation, we want each other here to walk with God, not to be like those generations who are stubborn and rebellious, whose heart is not loyal. Just remind us again, thinking specifically to the parents, one of the privileges God has given us, you didn't just have a baby. There's a, there's a human soul that's going to live forever. What is the most important goal you can have for a child? Well, if you're an American, get a good education, make a lot of money, have a good time. If eternity is real, and it is, then if I am discipling this new soul that God has given me, then the greatest goal is getting into heaven, not necessarily getting into Harvard. God wants his people to know their history, to remember their history, and to talk about their history. Why? So that we will live lives of trust and faith in God. God tells us, Psalm 78, tell the next generation about the works of God and the words of God so that they and we will trust and remember and obey. My friend Chap Bettis, who was just preaching in Psalm 78, is a great resource to New England. He is a local here as well as the author of an amazing book called The Disciple-Making Parent. If you want to find out more information about him and his ministry, please give us a call 508-362-7070 or head over to our website at songtime.com. You know, this is such an important challenge as we consider the responsibility that we have to pass on our faith to those who come behind us. We saw this in our Proverbs series. We saw this all throughout our study in Ephesians. And we see it even now in the Psalms. It, It cannot be escaped. It is our job and our responsibility to train up the next generation, to know the truth, and to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But how do you actually get somebody to love something? How do you get them to appreciate and value it? It has to start with us. It has to come from a place in our own heart. And it has to come from our stories and what we relay to them and share with them as we create the whole mystery and wonder and awe of who God is. Let me ask you this question. What do your children or grandchildren know about your story? What have you shared with them? Not just your testimony, which is great. You should share that with every one of them. Uh, But what has God done in your life recently? As our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, used to ask, what in your life is only explainable by God? And have you shared that with them? You don't have to get into the apologetics and you don't have to get into fights and arguments. Maybe that's happened before. Just share your story. I guarantee that children want to hear from their parents about what they're going through in their life. And as we share with them what we're struggling with and what we're conquering, as well as when we sin and we confess our sin, then guess what? They understand that we are fully and utterly dependent upon God. This is our opportunity to see those who come behind us and demonstrate the wonder and the works of God to help them to trust Him, to obey him and to remember his faithfulness. If we've been able to encourage you, I hope that you will be an encouragement to us as well. 
We're in the middle of our mid-year fundraiser, and this is probably the, the tightest our budget has ever been in the course of our ministry in, in many, many years. So I'm really asking for your consideration to, to help support this work and this ministry. If you've been blessed, I know that you have, and could I ask you to return that blessing in some way? I realize that this is a very difficult time and our economy is in major flux, but we really want to support the work that God is doing in our midst. And if we've been able to bless you, consider returning that blessing through a financial contribution. You can write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Psalm 85, verses 4 and 7. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. <laughs>